Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Amen. Good morning. How are you? It's good to see you today. We're going to continue, and I got a statement for you. What do you think of this statement? Sometimes the things we know we're supposed to do are the things we forget the most. Is this by chance ever happening? The things we know we're supposed to do are the things we forget the most. An example from my life. I know that every Friday morning at 8.30, this big, smelly truck stops by my house, all right? This big, smelly truck stops by my house, and I know that by 8.30 every Friday morning, I need to get a blue trash can from my garage to the curb before that smelly truck arrives at the exact same time, at the exact same place every week. But for some reason, maybe a mental block, for some reason, I don't know, I tend to forget far too often this seemingly simple and known task. It is not uncommon for Pastor Scott to get into his truck on Friday morning and begin to drive off to the office. As I'm driving to the office, I see neighbor after neighbor after neighbor. They put the blue trash can out. So what do I do? I circle around. I come back to the driveway. I put up the garage door. I grab the blue trash can. I pull it out, and then I can go. Sometimes the the most seemingly simple and known tasks are the things that we forget the most. And it doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't make sense. These are the things I'd, I'd forget, but then I remind myself, I think I know why I do this. I think I know why I do this, because I've got other things that I determine are more important than are on my mind, right? I'm waking up that day, and I have other things that I think are more important than that one. But I think that's not the only place in life that this happens. I think there are other places in our life we live this way. I think this happens as we're also trying to figure out how to live life with Jesus, Because there's some things I just forget that I know I need to do. I know I need to be consistent with. I just don't do them. Well, today is that day I want to talk about those things. Because I'm going to tell you up front, today what I'm talking about is not actually that deep. Today is not meant to do more than just Remind you of something that you know you're supposed to do, but far too often we just neglect it or we forget it. See, my job today is to remind you that it's Friday and it's time to turn around and do what we know we're supposed to do. I want to do that as we continue, and we're almost getting to an end of this series. Next week's going to be the last message of the series, and today we're going to go back to a story, as often these are, a story that you probably heard growing up many times. And the story I'm going to read 
is one where they, someone has an encounter with Jesus and it shows us how we should be living, but we often forget. Today we're going to go Luke chapter 19, okay? So if you've got your Bibles, maybe your phones. If you don't have a Bible, you want a Bible, there's one in your seat. So you, you can follow on the screen, but we're going to go Luke chapter 19 and we're going to go verse 1, okay? Tell me if you remember this story. Jesus entered Jericho. And was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to the guest, to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay it back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now, so I said at the beginning, this is a story that if you grew up at any time going to Sunday school, you couldn't avoid this, right? And if that was your experience of growing up that way, not only do you remember the story, but what also do you remember? The song that goes with it. In case that song's not in your head, let's remind ourselves: Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he... He climbed up the sycamore tree. Okay, stop there for a second. All I prayed for today was that that song would be in your head the rest of today, all right? <laughs> so if it is, you're welcome, all right? Listen, when we see this story, we read this story, we can read it in two different ways. We can read it from the viewpoint of Zacchaeus. What did it feel like and look like to have Jesus come to the town that day? What did it feel like to have Jesus have this conversation? How did Jesus coming to that town affect him? We can read it that way. Or we can read this story from the vantage point of Jesus. What was going on in Jesus' mind? What did it look like and feel like to walk into Jericho? What were his goals? What was on his mind? We can read it that way. And that's the way I actually want to read it today. I want to take a little detour from the, tour, uh, from the series that we've been having, that I want to look at this encounter, but not from the vantage point of the someone who received it from Jesus. We'll touch on that. But really, what did it feel like, look like, from Jesus' vantage point? And the question I'm going to ask you several times is do we approach life and people the way Jesus did in Luke chapter 19? Do we approach life and people 
the way Jesus does in Luke chapter 19. Okay, so we have the text. We read the text. Now let's get into the context of the story, okay? Jesus is walking into a town called what? Jericho, right? Jericho is about 46, 47 miles from Jerusalem. And this journey is known as the way of blood, okay? Because on this journey from, Jerusalem, from Jericho to Jerusalem or vice versa, people were robbed, they were beaten, they were killed. It is known as a really rough journey. This is Jericho's believed to be the oldest city in the world that has had continuous people living there. And we hear about Jericho all throughout the the Bible. One of the most famous stories would be about the priests who walked around the city, and then they did it again, right? And they did it again. They did it. And on the last day, what did they do? Blew their horns, and the walls came down. This is that Jericho. It plays a significant role throughout the Bible. When we are, do our overseas trip to Israel, this is one of the places we stop. We have lunch there, and we kind of talk about all the different things that happen in Jericho because this is a significant place. Now, around this time, it's thought that there was between 2,000 and 3,000 people living in Jericho. And just like the many other stories of Jesus, who he is and what he has done has started to make the rounds. They're talking about Jesus all throughout the region. And so here is Luke saying, Jesus is passing through. And so we need to imagine what this scene looks like. Jesus is almost a town. And people are starting to gather. People have, have heard who he is, and, and so he's coming to town, but then something else happens. And to understand the commotion, the frenzy that happens, you almost have to look back to Luke 18 to see why people are, are, are gathering in such large crowds. So let me go back to Luke 18 real quick and see what happens right before Jesus gets to Jericho. Verse 35, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked, what is happening? They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Now Jesus stopped. And he ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, what, what, do you, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Okay, so we want to get the picture of what this scene feels like. We want to jump into this story. And so you can imagine in this moment, the crowd is gathering. They want to see this man they've heard about. Not only see the man they've heard about, now they want to see the man that they just saw do something right outside of their city. The commotion is great. But it's not only that that makes this scene like special or we need to understand about this scene. 
So people have gathered. The commotion is great. Jesus is coming. But, but you also have to understand culturally right here, um, the, the Jewish leaders, the Jewish elders, they would have met Jesus on the outside of the city as he comes up. Hospitality is such a big deal in the Jewish culture. And so they would have, as the crowds gathered, they would have invited him into the town. They would have had a meal for him. Maybe a gift. I don't know all the customs, but this is very important that they invite him into the town. The central, like, his presence would be in the center of the whole story that day. He is the talk of town. Everything is about Jesus, but then we see something happens. Jesus doesn't follow their rules. Jesus does not respond to their customs. Jesus throws a wrench in their plans. Instead of being received, instead of him walking into the city and things being about him, instead of him being at the center of life and the story, Jesus stops. And he stops at a really common place. He stops at the base of a sycamore tree. Like this is a picture of a sycamore tree right here. They, uh, it's, it's, just a, it's just, if we go to Jericho, this is a sycamore tree we're gonna see. He stops there. And he looks at this man who was not in the middle of the commotion. He's not in the middle of the people. And there's two reasons he's not in the middle of the people, right? First is what? What do we know about Zacchaeus? He's short. He don't want to be in the middle of the people because he can't see Jesus and he's come to see Jesus. But the second thing is he's in with the people, but he's not one of the people. In this moment, as Jesus is looking up into the sycamore tree, I wonder if he's thinking about his apostle Matthew. He's already been down this road with someone just like Zacchaeus. He is wealthy, but he's not esteemed, so he's not part of the people. He is financially wealthy, but he's poor in relationships. He is one of them, but he's not really one of them. Because to them, he's a lost cause. To them, he's already sold out. Sure, he's a Jewish man, but he's not one of them because he's taking advantage of them. So there's this separation that's happened. I mean, he shouldn't even be in that sycamore tree because what dignified man climbs up a tree wearing a tunic? This is not something that you do. What is he doing? But for whatever reason, Jesus, I mean, Zacchaeus has to see Jesus. And instead of Jesus continuing his journey, he stops and he says, Zacchaeus, this is a me and you day. All right? This is a Zacchaeus and Jesus day. It's time to come down. And you know, if you know the story, you know what we just read. The response is people are astonished. Who does this? The, the man who just healed someone outside our city. The man we have heard about who is, has had such powerful teachings. The man that we start hearing, is this the one we've been waiting for? And now he's going to be 
with that guy. He's going to stop his plans and go be with that guy who's a sinner. Instead of having lunch with us, not only the important people, but the people who have met him and have been applauding him and have been excited for him, you're going to have lunch with that guy instead of us? And then becomes a, a time in the story we really don't know what happens next. It's kind of like when we're watching a TV show and they're all mic'd up and you can see everything that they're doing, but then they go behind closed doors and they turn off the microphone. You don't know what's going on. But something powerful happens behind those closed doors. Because we see something transformed. Jesus sees a man who is transformed. He went from one person to another. Jesus sees a man who goes from being greedy to generous. He goes from, from maybe being prideful to humility. Something happens behind those closed doors because his response is an abnormal response. Jesus hears him say, I'm going to pay back everything. He hears him say, I, I, I'm going to give to the poor. I mean, the response in the culturally, the, uh, if you were found to be financially fraudulent, what the rules were is you'd have to give the money back plus 20%. But what does Zacchaeus do? He gives half his money to the poor, and then he says, I'm going to pay back people four times. I think Luke is very strategic with this story. Because this story is actually in comparison to another story, very close by. To, 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 to look at how Luke writes a story and see the intentionality of it, you have to remember in Luke chapter 18 is a story kind of like this. He has a conversation with a rich young ruler. You, you remember that? That's actually one chapter ahead, uh, behind this. And, and what he has is he has a righteous man. He has a, a man that's been devout. And he comes to Jesus and he's like, I've done everything I can, but what's missing? And Jesus says, you can't fall in love with your money. You can't let your money control you. This is what you're missing in life because you are not doing with your money the what you're supposed to you need to give it up and what happens with that man he walks away sad because money does control him money really ends up being the most important thing to him he's not doing what god had called him to do with it well that was a chapter before now we've got this story and it's a comparison story because zacchaeus responds to jesus the way the ruler should have responded the Zacchaeus responds in a way that Jesus is asking people to respond, where he's like, okay, this is what I've done wrong, then I will make it right. And when Jesus sees this, he says, salvation has come to this home. Now he says it in front of people. But as he says salvation comes to this home, uh, we need to understand this wording in here is maybe not like how we typically describe salvation. I don't think because the language being used here is talking about an eternal destination, like you now got saved, you can go to heaven. What he's really language-wise here is talking about is restoration has come to this home. A rescue has come to this home. That we've restored this home back to the way it's supposed to be live, lived. It's restored. And so he says this in front of people because he wants people to hear this person is restored back to God and he's restored back to people 
These two things have happened. Jesus once again accomplishes what he says he's come to accomplish. Verse 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus has done it again. Jesus has his goals. Jesus had his mindsets. Jesus had his objectives. And we see them play out in this story. Now again, I said to you at the beginning, we can look at this story from the vantage point of Zacchaeus, what it felt like to be him, or we can look at it from how Jesus was viewing the situation, how, what he was trying to accomplish, how he viewed this encounter. And the question I said at the beginning was, do we approach life and Jesus, uh, life and people, the way Jesus does in Luke chapter 19? Do we, do you, I'm asking myself as I prepare this week, do I approach life and people the way Jesus does here in Luke chapter 19? And so the, the, the simple question that we have to ask is, well, how did he approach? If I want to see, do I approach? I've got to look to see how Jesus approached. And so the, here are the simple truths of what we, how we see Jesus approach Zacchaeus in this story. And I think it's simply he saw who Zacchaeus really was. He saw Zacchaeus for who he really was. When all people saw was a sinner, Jesus saw Zacchaeus. It is believed that Zacchaeus' name meant righteous. All people saw was a sinner. Jesus saw someone who was born to be righteous. All people saw was a sinner. Jesus saw one of his. When people just saw a man who was doing the wrong things, Jesus saw one of his maybe others couldn't see it but Jesus could see what was under the surface which was way more important than what was on the surface he saw who Zacchaeus was the second thing is I think Jesus allowed Zacchaeus to be the priority did you get those words at the beginning of what I said the very first words Luke 19 verse 1 the first sentence it says Jesus was in Jericho, but what did it say? He was just passing by. Words are important. Jesus was in Jericho, but he was just passing by. If you know what comes after this, Jesus is most likely have a direct line to he's headed to Jerusalem because he's about to be um, getting on a donkey, going down Main Street. People are going to claim him. They're going to be worshiping him, and then people are going to turn on him, and then people are going to crucify him, and then resurrection. This is what he's walking into. He's probably going to be about to walk the 46 miles from Jericho to Jerusalem. He's just passing by. But what happens? He stops. He stops twice, actually. He stops. Jesus was headed somewhere with a great task. But he understood what mattered most in this moment. 
Jesus knew what his ultimate goals were in life. He knew what his priorities were, that people were always more important than the tasks at hand. He allowed Zacchaeus, this sinner that people called him, to be the priority. When I look at this story from the lens of Jesus, I see that he saw Zacchaeus for what he was, but I also think he, saw, he, he allowed Zacchaeus, he saw Zacchaeus as a priority. Not just someone who was getting in the way. Not just someone that was stopping him as he was passing by to a greater task. He remembered people are always the most important thing on his agenda. Now the third thing I see from Jesus is he just, he shared his story, okay? He saw Zacchaeus for who he was. He allowed Zacchaeus to be a product, and he shared his story. Jesus knew who he was, which is very important. Jesus knew that in him, everything that anyone was ever looking for was found in him. So, so he was not ashamed. He was not cautious. Jesus knew in order for lives to be changed, in order for Zacchaeus' life to be changed, then he was going to have to share who he was. And that's what he did. So I look at this story. I go, okay, Jesus. You saw Zacchaeus was. Okay, Jesus, I, you made Zacchaeus a priority. And okay, Jesus, we don't know totally what you said, but we know you said enough. You told the story of who you were, and it was compelling enough that Zacchaeus would say, okay, fine, I'll give you what's been most important, my money. And so Scott, when reading this text, goes, okay, what do you want me? What do you want from me? So when we read the text, and then we get the context of the story, we need to apply it and go, what do I need to do with this? And the question I often, most often ask is how can I model Jesus and how he lived? The most important question for me is that in life. How do I model Jesus and how he lived? And so I, I'm saying to you what I said to myself this week is that we need to be looking for our Zacchaeuses in life. I need to be reminded today of what I know to be truth. Remember, I told you, sometimes we have teachings that are just, that you're, that they're really big and we try to wrap our minds around them and other times we're like, we need to be reminded of what we're supposed to do. The things we wake up in the morning, we know the tasks are at hand and we look at this and we know we need to be looking for our Zacchaeuses author, speaker, leader, former Wesleyan pastor, John Maxwell, has a famous line that he says to people who are trying to make a difference. He says, you need to walk slowly through a crowd. If you want to make a difference, you need to walk slowly through a crowd. Because how are we supposed to see people if we don't have the pace or are not looking for them? Why does John say this? Because he knows what I think we know that some of the best opportunities in life to make a difference come at the most unexpected times. 
that we will only see what we are looking for. And we will always see what we are looking for. You've done this before. If you played this game in the car, maybe growing up, and you like pick a color of a car, or you're looking for a certain car around town, when you get it in your mind, you not see them everywhere. If you're looking for something around town, you haven't really thought about it, but it comes to your mind. All of a sudden, you're like, I can't believe there's so many yellow cars. I never even saw a yellow car, but I'm looking for a yellow car. There's yellow cars everywhere. I never saw it. We begin to see things because we always see what we're looking for. So maybe our prayer needs to be, God, will you open my eyes? Will you slow me down so that I can see my Zacchaeus? And can I tell you, can I speak to you right now? You have a context in life that you need to slow down. Because I'll speak to parents first. Your Zacchaeuses are your kids first. And we are missing opportunities to invest in our kids because our pace is so fast. We are pushing and pushing and pushing. And what our kids need is maybe not another activity, they need a conversation with our parents. Maybe at work. You're pushing and you're pushing and pushing, but you're not seeing the hurts and the pains and the needs around you because you're going and going and going. We need to walk slowly through crowds because when we begin to walk slowly through crowds, then we begin to see the hurts. We begin to see the needs. We begin to see the pains. We begin to see the people who need us. You've got friends. You're going, going, going in life. We don't have eyes to see our Zacchaeuses. People who need us. People who are searching for something. Who would climb trees just to see if this is what they've been looking for. They need us to stop and see them. Invest in their lives. I get from this story, if I'm going to model the life of Jesus, we need to have eyes to see Zacchaeus in our life. The second thing is we need to stop giving up on people. We need to stop giving up on people. In your life, because I do it myself and I have to guard it, we have people who we've given up on, they're a lost cause, and the people we think we want to help. I'm not going to waste my time over here because they're just too far gone. I'm not going to invest my time over here because they're just, they're a mess. I don't want to get into that mess. We have people over here that maybe are closer to think like us, act like us, look like us. And we're like, I'll invest here. And, we, and, and subconsciously and maybe consciously, we've given up on people. The town of Jericho the Jewish people had given up on Zacchaeus. He had turned on them. He was collecting taxes from them. Yes, he was doing a job, but man, he, he was a sellout. And they're giving up on him. And there are people that we won't invest in because we have given up on them because it's just too dirty, it's too messy, it's a waste of time. And I think we need to reshape ourselves and say, I've got to stop giving up on people. 
the people in the town said, Jesus, why are you going to lunch with this sinner? You've got all of this over here. How many times do we pick lunch with these people versus stopping at the sycamore tree to invest in the one that people have given up on? We've got to stop giving up on people. And the third thing is we need to share our story of Jesus. And I tell you this often because I just think that we forget how important it is to share our personal experience. You have talked about a lot of stuff this week. Just take inventory. All the things you've talked about. Was Jesus ever part of this conversation? If it was, great, keep it up. But do you ever stop and just share your story of Jesus with somebody? I sat and talked with somebody this week. Shared the darkest points of his life, but then pointed it to Jesus. These stories mean something. These stories are inspiring. There are people in dark moments and need your story of Jesus. And I don't know why we don't share it. Zacchaeus' life was changed because Jesus stopped, shared who he was, shared... Once I would have to make up this, but I have to believe Jesus is sharing with who God is and what he's designed for Zacchaeus' life and that there was something more. And why don't we share that more part of our life? One, is it because maybe you don't have that story yet? And you need to hear the story of Jesus yourself to understand Jesus has more for you and you need to receive Jesus and let him be part of your story. Or two, maybe it's we've forgotten how much we needed Jesus in our life. Have we forgotten that you are Zacchaeus? Have we forgotten we're like that beggar before Jesus got into the city? We needed Jesus to stop and invest in our life, to give himself for us. And have we forgotten how much grace was involved with that? Have we forgotten the depths of how much we needed that? Maybe we don't share it because it's lost its power and we've got to get back to realizing I am Zacchaeus. Maybe the challenge today is simply this. Can we move from an inward way of living to an outward giving ourselves away? We can never be like Jesus unless we avoid trying to make life not about me, but about how we can use our life for others. I was right in front of us. Jesus goes, I'm passing through. I don't need all this, but while I'm here, I need to make a difference in someone's life. Because see, some of the most simple, or maybe, maybe the most common tasks in our life are the things, the things we know we're supposed to do, we have forgotten. 
I told you at the beginning that what I want today to be is like driving away from Scott's house and you see neighbor after neighbor and you go, oh, I forgot to take out the trash can. For many of us, we have forgot to use our life in the way that Jesus used his life. We have forgotten how to approach people in life the way Jesus approached people in life. And sometimes we need a reminder. And sometimes it takes a story that we remember from a childhood, a song we remember remember from a childhood to remind us, you're right, I haven't been doing this, and it's Friday, and I've got to turn around. I've got to go back and do that. To be a follower of Jesus means that we use our lives to make disciples that will follow Jesus with their life. To be a follower of Jesus means we do life the way Jesus did life. One of my favorite verses that I have to speak to myself constantly is 1 John 2, verse 6. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus lived. Can today be a reminder? It's Friday. Will you use your life to be intentional? Will you receive the story of Jesus? This summer, whose life do you need to impact? What conversation do you need to have? Who do you need to bring to church and do this together with? Who do you need to stop and spend time with? Who do your eyes need to be open to? This is what we're going to do as we end in worship. My prayer has been that as we sing, God brings someone to your mind. And you'll say, okay, I'll do what I know I'm supposed to do is use what God has done in my life to invest in others. And may we not waste another moment of our life but even when we're passing through we stop where Jesus calls us to stop let me pray God thank you for stopping for us God maybe there's someone in this room or watching or listening online that you are stopping for right now and the response that's needed is it just I need you Jesus You've stopped from me. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for living life in a way I wasn't supposed to. Forgive me, but I'm receiving your death and resurrection. I'm receiving this gift that you've given me. And God, may there be people that give their life over Jesus. And then there may be, God, people you're reminding today. We don't live life for ourselves. We live every day trying to be more and more like our Savior Jesus. And so help us to wake up in the morning and saying, God, what do you want me to do today? How can I live my life to point people to you the way I always should have been? Because you've done so much for me. God, I ask you to open our eyes. I ask you to bring thoughts to our minds of people we are to invest in. And God, we'll use our story of what you've done in our life to make a difference in someone else's. It's your name we pray. 
Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.